Welcome to the Cedar Lake Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired and fulfilled by this week's message from Pastor Neil Hopper. If you would like to know more about us, visit our website at clcc.church. We are in, uh, let's see, we started on Monday with our 21-day fast. Everybody doing all right? You doing mighty fine? Either it's a, it could be a little man's fasting. You had your breakfast this morning, have you, buddy? I appreciate that. Nor I. <laughs> you can be seated. You can be seated. Um, hi. I want to take my time this morning because I don't want to miss what I think God is saying. Um, much of what I will share with you comes from... Uh, a verbiage that I got from a guy named Tim Mackey. You probably will not know Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey's a Bible nerd. Um, he's the Bible nerd that I wish I was, but I love the Word. I still love the Word. And um, I, I still uh, just get excited about finding out new things in the Word. Does anybody read their Bible? If you don't, I wish you'd fall in love with your Bible. Amen. Fall in love with the Word. Um, what, what, I, what I really wanted to talk to you about today, and the reason I want to uh, just take it easy and not preach, preach, is because I think it's uh, something that I really have I prayed about, I, uh, thought about, meditated on it. Um, as Pentecostals, as charismatics, which I am, I, I was taught in early days. I went to Southern Baptist Church as a kid, and you learn to engage God like a Southern Baptist. If you come into Pentecost and you're filled with the Spirit and you have that experience, you learn to engage God on that experience. And hopefully along the way, somebody teaches you to engage God in His Word, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. My point is this, though, is that we all, uh, we all engage God differently. And I just wanna, want you to know that even during this fast, one of the things that I felt like God is saying to me is just sit before me. And I don't do good with that. I want to make my request known unto him I want to have a praise dance. I want to have some good music. But when he tells you, just sit with me, will you just sit with me? And so I confess to you that my, because of the way I was taught about prayer, I've taught about meditation here. There is a, a part of engaging God that you can do that in contemplative prayer or meditative prayer. But one of the things that we don't do well is we don't meditate. I was taught, a Baptist brother taught me this. He said, uh, you understand that an amusement park is ah, muse, no thinking. When you go to Six Flags, you don't think, you don't meditate. Ah, no musing, you're not thinking. It's why when you look at television, you're just, it's amusing you. And everybody knows what it's like to watch their favorite show or to watch something on television or to go to the amusement park or whatever it is that you like to do and you don't really think about a lot. In fact, it's really a good thing for you because you get to escape. It's the Calgon take me away mentality. And you get to just for a few minutes, you, uh, you live vicariously through the, uh, through, um, uh, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. You become 007. You are Batman. Christian says that he isn't Batman. Uh, no, he says the only thing about him is that you'll never see him and Batman in the same room together at the same time, which leads me to believe he thinks he's Batman. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's not, he don't want to say that just outright, but, uh, but you get to live through these characters. And so I want to take just a minute, and I'm going to take a really unusual way to get where I'm going. But if you'll just work with me for a minute and kind of stay engaged, I, I want to talk to you about some things that 
are really challenges uh, for all of us. And I want to challenge you to engage God in a different way. Because when God says to me, just sit with me, I'm like, I got 50 things that I need to, I, I need to give you my do list. I need to let you know all of the things. And there is a place and a time for that. But what just happened is, is that we engaged God in worship and we were able to experience Him in a certain kind of way. And before I begin, let me just say that some people say worship is my escape. When worship is about you, it's not real worship. <laughs> worship is, you see those people say, worship is my escape because that's how I escape. So you're not watching Batman, you're a worshiper, but it's still about you and it can never be about you. Worship is all about Him. That's the reason a lot of the times you'll see me get up sometime and I'm going to try my best before we leave to make sure that we sing a song or two just to Him. That we sing to Him, that we engage Him. It's not that we don't need to know that He walks with you and He loves you and all those things, but at some point it's just this way, straight up. It's what it's what some preachers and theologians struggle with is they, they struggle with the fact that we have made modern worship about us. And they, it's not that they, I'll, I'll say this, I don't know, they'll you know, seem to bash some group that sings certain style of songs or whatever, and I understand what they're trying to do, but you'll see them sometime, and they'll be kind of hard on some of these groups, and a part of it is, is because every other song is about you. And they say, when did worship uh, begin to be about you? Real worship, it, look, praise and worship can be, it's, it's a way we engage God, and that's where we're going today is how you engage God because there ought to be more than one way that you engage God. And if you're not spirit-filled and you're not a tongue talker and you're not any of those things and you are a word person, most people who study the word, they engage him in the word because it's alive, it's spiritual. It, the word, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and their life. I don't even have time to take you back to John chapter 4. I'll just tell a really quick story. But in John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well. If you've ever seen this portrayed in The Chosen, it will wreck you. If you haven't, it wrecks me every time I see it. It just absolutely, woo! He meets this woman at the well and for years, Crystal, I had a real struggle because I thought Jesus was changing the subject. She's in the middle of trying. She's doing what she's doing. And he says, if, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for some water and I would have given it to you. And y'all heard me preach this before. And it, it really always, it was, I'm not joking, it bothered me that it seems that he changes the subject. But he doesn't change the subject because the subject is truth. You cannot drink living. What if I told you living water is truth? So it's spiritual. It's for those of you not that's, that's tongue talking to me. That's what we as Pentecostals will say. That's that thing bubbling up on me in the side of me that Jesus gave me. And, but listen, this is what he says. He says, to this woman who he meets at the well, who's a Samaritan, and he says to her, he says, if you'd have asked me, I would have given you some living water. And she said, you don't have anything to draw with. You, you ain't even got this well's deep, and you don't even have a way. And so he, 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 how you going to give me water? That's the Southern slang for it. How you going to give me some water? You don't even have anything to draw with. And he finally tells her, she says, well, okay, good. Give me this living water. You give it to me. And she says, he said, I'm not going to give it to you. Go get your husband. Oh, he didn't change the subject. He just brought it back to some truth that she needs to deal with. He brought it back to some truth. And her truth was, he said, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, and here's where living water comes from. Here's living water. You want to know what living water looks like? It looks like the truth coming at you so fast and so furious. 
And he's not being rude to her. He's just saying, go get your husband. And she said, I don't, I don't have a husband. He said, you're exactly right. You've had several. And the one you're living with now, that ain't your husband either. So he, and, and he's not mad at her. He's still asking a Samaritan who Jews didn't even, they didn't even, you think black and white racial issues or something. Jews and Samar- Samaritan wouldn't eat, a Jew wouldn't even eat off of a spoon that's made by the hands of a Samaritan. They would not even eat, they wouldn't take a dip with a spoon if they thought a Samaritan made it. So they hated them. And she says, you're a Jew and you're asking me for something? I came down here at noontime because they know who I am and what I've done. All the rest of them came in the morning. She's there all by herself. That's the reason she's alone. All of the women from the city would have came out to the well at the same time. But where's the truth come in? Where does truth come in? Truth comes in when he says, there's an issue here that I'm trying to pinpoint in your life. You want real living water? Settle some of these issues. Deal with some of this stuff. And I'm not condemning you for it. I'm just saying to you, and, and, and what is she? So he tells her, I don't have time. I know I shouldn't dialogue because, Lord, I love the Bible. And this, this is such a good story. And I want to take you somewhere else this morning. But I want you to understand living water starts to come from truth. Comes from truth. You go to the book of Revelation and you find you find a golden girdle with what one writer in the Bible calls paps on it. It's breast. It's, it's, it's uh, the belt of truth. Everything in the armor, everything in their culture hooked to the belt. Well, Paul taught us that this belt was truth. Everything that holds up your pants and holds up all of the stuff that's yours that's important, the sword of the Spirit, it all hooks to a belt called truth. If we don't have truth, let me say it another way. If you sidestep the truth, the truth about you, Jesus never condemns this woman for the truth that she has lived. He never condemns her of where she comes from, if you know the story. He doesn't condemn her. He he just, he, he dialogues with her and what does he say to her? He says, hey, when you go back to town, you go and tell them what I've done. And she thinks he's a prophet. She goes back to town. And he said, you just go tell them. She goes back to town and says, this is what she says, come and see a man who told me everything about me and he didn't condemn me. He didn't push me aside. He didn't tell me anything negative about myself. All he said was, Here's the truth, and when we examine the truth, here's where truth meets, here's where your truth or your facts meet his truth, and that is his truth is higher, and that is he accepts you. He, he, I mean, he could have said, hey, just go and sin no more. He could have been like the woman who was uh, caught in the act of adultery, and they get down and they write, he writes in the dirt, and he could have said, like he said to her, look, just go and sin no more. But where, where do we find life? We find life at a place called truth. And until you can embrace the truth of who you are in him, you won't experience him in any real engaging kind of way. So let's look at uh, a couple of scriptures here. And I want to start with one that comes from uh, the book of Revelation. And it is, um, it's, you will all know this particular scripture. I believe you will. Um, he says, uh, in, in this particular scripture, he says, um, he, uh, who, who, I'm the one that is and was and is to come. Uh, and if you know that scripture in the book of Revelations, he said, I am present right now. You need to remember this. He said, I am the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. Let me see if I can get it to help me here. Yeah, there we go. All right, I'll find it for you so that you don't think I made that up. Amen. Uh, he says, he says, um, he says, I'm the one that was and the one that is and the one 
that is to come. I am him. I am God. I'm the one that, that listen, uh, if, if uh, maybe Sheila can help me. Can you find it, Sheila? Did you find it? Was and is, and I know I didn't give them to you, but I, I still think you're pretty genius, so I know you'll get it. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's Revelation 1, 4. And from him which is and was, Revelation 1, 4, and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before the throne. Don't get freaked out because we went to Revelation, but I need you to know this. Where, what does he reveal himself? Is, he reveals himself as the one that is. That's now in the present. Right now, Effie. It's right now. He said, I'm the one. He's always in your present now. He's always in the now. He's the one who is. But he says, I was the one that was. I was back here. And I'm in the future as well. And I am the one that is to come. Now, here's where you, you're going to have to stay with me for a minute because here's where it gets a little dicey. Let's go to Luke 23 and verse 42. Luke 23 and 42. There we go. If you have it, just say Amen. Luke 23, he says this. He says in verse 42, 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to, unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me, where does he say? He says, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, you can substitute heaven all you want there, and there's a bit of a truth to that, but the reality is he didn't say, today you're going to be with me in heaven. He said, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, it's an interesting word, and the reason I want to talk about it is because when we start to talk about the paradise of God, where we experience him, how we experience him, he says to a man that's dying, after we're, it's what it sounds like it means, after we're dead, I'll see you there in paradise. And then you realize that the word paradise there is the word, the Greek word paradiso. So you stay with me for a minute. So he said, I know y'all always said you'll be with me in heaven. That's not what he said. And I'm not trying to change the scriptures. Go back and check me. But it's very important that you know that he said uh, that I believe there's a heaven and I believe you can go there. And I believe if you're born again, you will definitely go there if, you know, it, one day, okay? But that's not what he's saying right here. Uh, if, if it is, it's a small portion because the word paradiso, paradise is where we get our word paradise. He said, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. Paradise, every other time, if you go back, it means garden. This day you're going to be with me in a garden, Okay, you're going back to the garden, right? So um, he, he said, so when you think about him being within a garden, what's the only garden that you know of? What's the only garden that the scripture talks about? Garden of Eden. He said, this day, I'm gonna, it's, it's, I'm gonna meet you there at a paradise, but he describes it as paradise as if to say, I'm gonna take you back to the time that you walked with me, that, that Adam and Eve walked with me in the cool of the day, and I'm going to let you meet me there. So when we go, he, he, but he says that's in the future. He says this today, right now, I'm, we're, in the, we're, we're dying on this cross, and you're going to meet me over there. Later on today, after we die, you're going to meet me in paradise. But he calls paradise a garden. And he says, this garden, I'm going to take you back to a time, and he calls it a garden. Well, we all know that there's a garden of Eden. And one of the things, don't have time to get into all of this, but one of the things that happened at the cross was, is that ability to walk with him in the cool of the day was opened back up to us. And there's nothing that keeps you from that. You, he, he took, he, so here's what we have to come to an understanding of. We have to understand that um, 
if you go back to the garden and you go back to the original language, Jesus is saying to this man, I'm going to see you in a garden. It had to mean the garden of Eden. He says to him, I'll meet you in a little while in a garden. It's a little bit later. It's like this afternoon sometime. It's in the near future. But he also says it where we're going to meet is going to remind you of where we used to be when we were walking in the garden where man could walk with me in the cool of the day. So one's in the future and one's in our past, but I just told you he's the one who is and was and is to come. He's always Jesus. The person of Jesus is always in our perpetual now. It's how you experience him that's going to change everything in your life. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. So if you're looking at your scriptures, uh, Genesis 2, 6 through 8, says this. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Uh, If you weren't here last week, I talked about the cloud of God and how important that was. In this particular verse, it means a fog, a mist. There is a mist. There's a mist that went up. And after this, he's going to make man. But a fog or a mist sounds a lot like a cloud. Am I, am I right? Can y'all catch that? If you don't understand biblical imagery and you don't understand how when you read the Bible, there's certain imagery there. When, uh, when Moses goes up into a cloud and receives the commandments or this cloud of God, he says the same thing. There was a, a mist, a cloud, a fog came up. And when the fog, the presence, that represents the presence of God. When the fog came up, I'm about to make man. It watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. And God, in verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, a garden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he says, I'm going to put you, I'm not only, this is the only difference that, that you and I have to, this is the place that you have to overcome some things to understand this. And that is, if you're going to walk with him in the cool of the day, you're going to have to overcome some thinking and some ways that we've been taught to engage him. And I'm going to submit to you today that there's a whole Uh, There's a different way for us to engage him. There's a better way for us to engage him. And a part of it starts when you begin to realize that he's the God that is. He is in your current right now. He was and he is to come. And every time we see God doing things, people are caught up either into a cloud. There, There is something that happens and uh, and so that they experience what we would call the presence of God. And I think what happens to us sometimes is, is we want to experience the presence the way a Pentecostal, for me, I want to do it the way a Pentecostal does it because that's all I've ever known. So I'm going to experience him with a shout or whatever. But what if it comes time for you to just sit there and know that he is God and experience him in a way that doesn't have verbiage with it, but you just say, I'm just going to, I'm going to be here and just going to sit with you because that's the challenge for me lately. And to know that I don't have to put verbiage to everything, he's already my Jehovah Jireh. So the, 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 the thing I'm trying to get you to see is that in Genesis 2, every Bible scholar only agrees on one thing and that it was back there. So is the cloud, is the cloud, is the mist, is God, was he doing it back then? Is he going to do it in the future? See, most of us come from a system where we've been taught that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to experience all of these things, but I'm telling you that the invitation is open now. The invitation is right now, and it may... It may take God teaching you to modify the way you engage him a little bit. It may, it may take that for you to understand. So um, when you understand, the, go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
love, love, love 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the reason is, is because some of my friends, uh, some of my uh, studious Bible scholar friends, they can't really explain what happened. But when you hear what I'm saying this morning, you'll understand exactly what happened uh, because there's things that happen that we shake our, our head at and we don't know, like we don't have a real way to describe this. And so they, they do their best, but just listen to this. Um, um, let's go to, uh, let's see what you have up there. Um, let's, it'd be 2 Corinthians 12, uh, and I'm going to go to verse 3. Uh, let's go to verse 2. I knew a man, 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I knew a man in Christ, he was in Christ, about uh, above 14 years ago, it was more than 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Uh, first of all, let's address the fact that if I got up today and said, I don't even know if I was in my body last night or out of my body, I don't know what's going on in my life. If I said that to you, you'd say, boy, Pastor Niels, he's losing it. I don't even know where I was, but Paul, the apostle, writes three quarters of the New Testament, and he tells us in this verse, I knew a man. Don't you love it when people talk? You remember when Bob Dole used to always talk about Bob Dole? Bob Dole's elected. Bob Dole's going to do. Or the, the best base dealer in all of MLB history, and, and he, he always talking in third person. This is what Paul's doing. Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. I don't know if I was in my body. I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. Stay with me. And I knew such a man, whether in the body, this is verse three, in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Verse four, how that he was caught up into paradise. So, According to the Apostle Paul, paradise and the third heaven, there must be two, at least. If we're going to get to three, we got to have at least two before that, right? But understand what he just did. What he just did was, as he just said, there's, there, I, I was caught up. I don't know where I went. I don't know how this happened. I, but I know this. I was caught up into the third heaven and I was in the paradise. He uses the exact same word. He said, I was caught up into this thing, into the paradise. And here's what happened when I was engaging God in this place called paradise. He said, I was, I was caught up and I, I, was, I heard unspeakable words, which it's not lawful for a man to utter. So he says, I was caught up into the third heaven, which is the paradise of God. I was back to a place that God took me. Notice he uses the phrase, in Christ. Can't get there without him. Can't get there without it. But he says, because I'm in Christ, he took me up into the third heaven and I engaged him in a place called paradise which is the same place he tells the man on the cross, you're going to engage me in just a little while in paradise, which is the same word that they said back in the Garden of Eden because it means the exact same thing. The imagery is still there. It's the exact same image. And the point this morning is this. If you can't come to a place where you understand how to engage God in the eternal, perpetual now, because now is now, and two minutes from now, now is going to be now, and He's always going to be there. There's never been a day that He wasn't there for you. Even days when you didn't feel Him or didn't sense Him, even days... So here's the point, and I, and, and I know I've still got plenty of time, so I'm good, but I want you to see the point. The point is that the writers of the New Testament, Paul specifically here, Jesus when he's talking to the man, the, the thief on the cross, uh, the repentant one, and, and others in the Bible, they were caught up, they, they were in an atmosphere, a place that we don't often talk about in the Christian world in the West. Because if you came in and told all your friends, I was caught up out of my body last night, literally, even 
Any little thing like that causes us, it's like you walk away and you get that eye roll. Yeah. He was caught up and went out of his body last night. We'd go to lunch and laugh about that, wouldn't we, Chris? We'd go to lunch. If Crystal says to me today, hey, I was caught up out of my body last night. Why do we doubt that? Why, why is it that this kind of experience today, if we're not careful, we roll our eyes and make fun of people who have an experience with God and we, we turn them into kooks and quacks, but you don't do that to the Apostle Paul. He's the writer of the three quarters of the New Testament. You can't do that with him because otherwise you're making maybe uh, one of the greatest revelators uh, uh, ever in Christianity, you're making him out to be a kook. I love it when I talk to my friends who don't believe in spiritual stuff at all, and I say, what do you, what do you make of Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he was caught up out of his body? They still can't tell you. They still can't tell you. They don't know. It's like saying, what do you make of the day of Pentecost when they said this is that? How'd they know that? They wasn't alive when Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2, of the outpouring of Pentecost. How did they know that? Tell me, please, somebody. Raise your hand if you know. It's a real fair question. I'm, I'm just asking. There's something in you that knows. I, I was, for years, I've said people know in their knower. Sometimes you know a thing in your knower, and you know it so powerfully that you just go with it. And I'm not suggesting at all that we, we turn into fruits, flakes, and nuts. But I'm, I am suggesting this, that if we don't engage God on a different level in our worship, if, if, you, if you can receive what I'm saying today, maybe it is that we've walked in the midst all along. Maybe it is that we've walked in a cloud all along. Maybe it is that something happens that, that just because your perception isn't good, it's a perception thing. It's We do not perceive spiritual things very well, but at your core, the way God created you, He created you to engage Him on a level that has nothing to do with your five senses. It doesn't do anything with your five senses. He's he's given us an ability to engage Him. Every person, if you are sitting here today and you say, I don't even know where I stand in my walk with God or if I'm even saved, maybe I never have been. I'm telling you by the authority of the Word of God, you were created to walk with Him in the cool of the day. You were always created. The problem is, is we don't cultivate that portion of ourselves. We engage Him in our mind. Which is, which is why Bible scholars and people who are word people and people who are spirit people, it's the reason theologians look at the Bethel churches of the world or the Cedar Lakes when we believe in prophecy and laying on of hands and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit and we believe that God moves and we believe it don't have to be hokey. It can be really like normal, just a part of what we do every week because this is how God moves because we have cultivated this part of our conscious self and we are open to the moving of His Spirit. Not going to make Him move, but if He wants to move, we're going to give Him space to move. And if space to move means that you sit with Him and say nothing, that's space to move. Interesting fact, uh, I listened to this message by Tim Mackey. If you don't know who Tim Mackey is, does anybody know Tim Mackey? Do you know? If you don't know Tim Mackey, you will know Tim Mackey. Uh, he is, anybody ever listen to Bible Project videos? If you go to YouTube and if you've never seen Bible Project, Tim Mackey is the creator. He's a Hebrew scholar. I've talked about it on Wednesday night some, but Tim Mackey is the one that I got this thought from about paradise because when you're trying to explain this to somebody, he just said it in such a way it clicked with me. I was like, oh my gosh, that's true. Um, let me say it this way. But one of the things that he talks about is, is he said, because I'm a Bible scholar, because I'm a Bible nerd, I only, in, for a huge portion, 20 years of my life, I just engaged God in the Word. I wasn't even open. Not that I didn't believe it could happen. I just never engaged him that way. And when I knew God was speaking to me about sitting with him, just sitting with him, and when he said, I went to a spiritual advisor at my church and they said to me, Tim, why don't you get up every day and before you pray or read the Bible, why don't you just sit quietly before God? Oh, just sit with God. 
That's what God's saying to me. Then I get up the next day and I go into the conference. I'm at a conference uh, at, for radio folks. And the lady, the first presenter gets up and she says, you know, God's really been dealing with me lately that this year I'm just supposed to get up every day and sit before him in silence. I said, oh, that's three people that said that to me in just no time at all. Here's, here's what Tim Mackey said, and this is hilarious. He said, so every day I get up with this anticipation, I'm going to have this real experience with God. And I get up every morning and I'm going to sit with God. And he said, after the first year, you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. But he said, what, what they encouraged me to do was, uh, my, my advisor said, just present yourself before him. Present your body, Romans chapter 12, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the ring of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Just present yourself. What if, what if I said, everybody in here, if you just presented yourself before him every day, just presenting yourself and knowing that he's in the eternal now, don't have to feel him in my five senses, but I know in my knower he's there. And I know in my knower he's for me. And I know in my knower that he loves me. And I know in my knower that if I give him space and I just say, speak to me any way you want to speak to me. Because sometimes we put him in a box and we say, God speaks to me through worship or God speaks to me through the word or God speaks to me through a prophetic utterance or God. Don't put him in a box. That's the reason I can hear God in a song that ain't Christian. Oh, I can hear God. It's because I know that he's using all these methods to just communicate to me so that we can have a let's go back to the garden experience. Amen? Amen. I, I promise I'll hurry and I'll get you out, but I want you to get this um, and I want you to see just a few other things. So Revelation 2 and 7 says this. Revelation 2, 7 says this. He that hath an ear... Everybody knows this, right? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is where? In the midst of the paradise of God. There has to be some overcoming. He's, he gave us faith so that we can overcome. But he said, here's what happens. To him that overcomes, I'm going to give him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The paradise of God. If you, um, if you look at the Apostle John, and here's, here's where I want you to just, I know I've, I've kind of been a little different this morning, but just hear me. If you were to look in the book of Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos. The word Patmos means my killing. So you may not be on an island called Patmos, but you may be going through a situation and you're saying, this is killing me. This is killing me. And that may be where you are, but here's what I want you to know about that situation. John is on the Isle of Patmos, and if you know anything about Revelation chapter 1, he has an experience and he's not on the Isle of Patmos anymore. This is what I want you to get. He ain't even on the Isle of Patmos anymore. He, he's taken up into another realm. Just He's on the island of Patmos in his physical body, but he's taken up and God shows him a temple just like the one in Jerusalem. He, the first thing he starts talking about are the seven candlesticks which looks like a menorah. And he starts talking about all these things, which is just a type and a shadow. He takes him up and he lets him see the temple just like he would have seen it if he'd have still been in Jerusalem, but he's on an island. He's on an island by himself, okay? But he's caught up to a place and God takes him there and he begins to see things in the spirit. And what does he see? He sees a temple and then he sees... Jesus. Then he sees Jesus. 
I'm on an island by myself, but I'm having an experience and just so God can communicate to me, he takes me to a place where I see this thing that looks just like a temple because he would have been super familiar with that. So he gives me something familiar in the spirit to let me see. And then he lets me see Jesus. And he has this revelation of Jesus, but he's still on an island all by himself. So here's where I want to land the plane. So is the paradise of God tomorrow after you die? You're going to be with me in paradise. Is the paradise of God back in the garden? Amen. Or is the paradise of God anywhere that you allow him to be king of kings and Lord of lords? You could be on an island that is killing you. You could be in a situation that you have no way out of. And you would say, this experience is killing me. And all of a sudden, because you know something that maybe somebody else doesn't know, because some pastor somewhere taught you that you could have an experience with God right there on that island, all by yourself, right there in your home, right in a sanctuary, riding down the road in the car, you can have an experience with God because Jesus lives in the eternal now. He is... He describes himself in the first, uh, one of the first scriptures I gave you. He's the one who is, I'm right now. It's the reason you can praise him right now. It's the reason you can still worship him right now. Say it another way. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by time at all. Amen. And so, uh, I don't even have time to go back through Revelation chapter two because golly, that's so good because he that overcometh, uh, I'll give you the eat of the tree of life. And I wonder if the thing he has to overcome, oh, you don't have time for this. I wonder if the thing that he has to overcome is in the Genesis version of this. There were two trees. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know it's hard for you to eat from the tree of life if all you know is whether you've been really good or really bad? It's been really good. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, what are we going to do? We as the people of God, we're going to, if we overcome the lie from hell, the things that the world is sending us, them saying Christians are crazy because they believe you can have an out-of-body experience. I'm not calling for an out-of-the-body experience, but I am calling for something above your own five senses that you cultivate something that's spiritual that is above your five senses. When he said flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and Jesus asked the disciples saying, whom do man say that I am? And they said, some of you say, Uh, some say that you're Elias and some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're a prophet. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, here's who I, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did he say to him? He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't get this through five senses. You didn't get this revelation through five senses. This is a spirit thing. It is totally spirit, which is where the American church has lost our way because it's all, I I used to, and Christian can tell you this is true. When he went off to New York, one of the things that we had a conversation about was, as I said, beware of somebody whose entire spiritual experience is all written in words on a page. That is our God. That is the banks of the river. That is, that is truth. But we have to have, they that worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. I don't want one without the other, but he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven, we have lost our way in the American church. Because when you preach like this and you tell people this, you think that I'm calling for some fanaticism and I'm not. I'm saying this is normal. You have a dream or you have, I don't even have, time escapes me. We don't even have time to talk about Ezekiel. The same thing happened to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter eight, um, (laughs) this same thing happened to Ezekiel. Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter eight is sitting with the elders of his city, his contemporaries. Ezekiel chapter eight, y'all remember the story? He's sitting with the elders in his house. And all of a sudden, he's caught up 
somewhere between heaven and earth and he hears things and God begins to speak to him. It's all through the Bible. We can take Jacob who had a ladder and he was caught up and he saw things in the spirit that at that point, I don't think anybody had seen. I'm saying to you this morning that some of the stuff I think that we have called crazy is it may just be that you haven't cultivated that spirit portion of you and you're not at a place where you, you, you're trying to put God in a box. Like I said to Christian, beware of people who all it is is right here because and, and here's the way I think I worded it. And I told him and his brother, when they went off to college, I said, listen, be, be leery of people who want to make God all logical because it's not that God doesn't do logical things, but if you reduce everything in God to being logical, you're going to miss a whole portion of spiritual stuff that God wants to do in your life that you're not going to be able to explain. And I know tons of people, and so do you, that everything is, you just reduce it to this little experience. And a lot of times it's the word, and they mean well, and here's what. They don't want crazy people in their church. We don't want crazy people here either. It's, it's not that you're being crazy. It's just that I want to give space, not for us to be crazy, but I want to give space for Holy Spirit to move and for us to believe that every time we show up, He's eternally in the now, that He shows up at your house on Monday morning and your sit time, prayer time, communion time, fast and pray time, that He does that, that He's always in your eternal now, even if you cannot feel him in any way. Because here's the thing. I was praying, God, I just ain't been feeling you lately. And I listened to Tim Mackey's message and I said, I don't have to feel you to know that the word said, the truth, the truth is, the truth is that he's there. He's always had, I've never had a day that he didn't know who Neil was. We sang it earlier. He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. Amen? So I ask you, you going to experience him in the future? Or maybe you're going to talk about what he did all them years ago, and you haven't had one testimony in 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. You still talk about your salvation, and we're pleased with that. We thank God for that. you got to go to the foot of the cross. That's the starting point. But unfortunately, in Western Christianity, what we taught people is the foot of the cross is the start and the end. And he said, I want you to experience me in your everyday life. I want you to walk with me and talk with me. And I want you to know that I am your own. Amen. So it's the eternal now of God. That it, it's, it's the... It's the God moments that he shows up in big ways or small ways. And we don't frustrate ourselves if he doesn't show up. Sam, having to change the way I think about that. I, I want God to show up in my kind of way that I'm used to. But what if he wants to show up in a way that you're not used to? What if he says to you, just sit and be quiet? That's tough for me. What if he says to you, I want you to take a walk every day and just tell me whatever. What, what if he changes it up on you? Why don't you let him be God and you stop dictating how you're going to communicate and how this is going to work? Why don't you just let God be God and let every man be a liar? Why don't we just let truth begin to invade us because we live in the eternal now? We're living right now in the eternal now of God. In other words, he's just as available right now as he was 10 minutes ago, 10 months ago, four years ago when you went to that revival and the Holy Ghost was moving. He's just as available right now. Amen? Just as available. When is, when is the paradise of God? Well, say it another way. The, the, the psalmist said it this way. Morning happens when you wake up. Morning happens when you wake up. Shift your thinking. How many times did he say it like, repent? So we think repentance is all about confessing our bad stuff. What if I told you that repentance could be just about you shifting your thinking 
and understanding there's a spiritual side of you that needs to be cultivated, that needs to walk with him in the cool of the day, that needs to go back to the paradise of God, that needs to understand how to engage him because most people, their biggest issue is they do not know how to engage him. Right? Right? Don't even have time to tell you the story of Genesis. You remember, you remember when one brother swindles the other brother out of his birthright? And what does he do? He goes out into a wilderness. He leaves Beersheba and he goes to Haran. About, I think it's a few days journey. Gets in the middle of a wilderness, a middle of a desert and has an experience with God. He has an experience with God in the middle of nowhere after stealing and thieving. But this experience begins to change him in a very profound way. I'm telling you, don't bottle yourself up, box yourself up. Present yourself to Him. If you have requests, yes, that's a part of prayer. But that's just so little a part of prayer. Know that you live in the eternal now of God. Know that He's available to you right now. Amen? Stand on your feet. Amen? I hope you followed me this morning. I hope you can kind of go with that and and just understand. Having said all of those things, is there anybody this morning that you believe we're standing in the eternal right now presence of God and you say, man, I need a right now miracle. I need God to do something right now. Amen. Anybody? Anybody right here? Amen. Would you be willing to let us pray for you? Amen. Would you come forward to do that? Could you do that? Would you pray with me? Anybody need a miracle this morning? You, you, we're, we're living in the eternal now of God. Miss Wanda, would you lay your hands on this young lady? Hallelujah. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much. Would you point your hands this way? God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was a cloud, a presence, and we, they encountered Moses and Elijah They encountered people that had already gone on to be with the Lord. There was things that were happening in the Spirit. So we know that you move in this realm and we're asking you, whatever our sister's need is today, whatever whatever breakthrough that she needs, um, want to speak breakthrough to her mind, breakthrough to her mind. Thank you, Lord. Breakthrough in her mind. Every lying spirit from hell that came to rob from you from days early on, we break it in Jesus' name. Every lie from hell, we break it. The blood of Jesus is applied. Thank you, Lord God, for touching her. Hallelujah. Thank you for your openness to receive from him right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heal every hurt. Heal every hurt. Every deep wound, every gash. Thank you, Father, for ministering to her. Healing, deliverance. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it. 